This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One on One's NFL Friday. Here now are Mac Rosenberg and Mike Watts. One on One's NFL Friday. A week four edition here from our WFUV studios. Welcome in, Mac Rosenberg, Mike Watts, Julian Atienza, Nick Legerfo on the other side. And WFUVsports.org is where you can find us also in iTunes. Week four in the National Football League. And, uh, well, Mike, your team got it going last night with an L. How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd be better if we didn't. Um, No, the, the Browns actually made it look like they were playing the same sport as Baltimore. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, really, that is a massive upgrade over yeah. what we usually do. So, um, Cleveland is proud. Um, I, I can live with only losing by a touchdown, especially when our, our new quarterback decides to throw the ball out the back of the oh, end zone on the, on the final play of the a- game. And the play before that was a pretty good throw. I mean, it was just like into the end zone. Like he got it in there. There was a good opportunity It was a solid there. opportunity. That, that yeah. second play, he, they gave they gave this guy a, an extra chance. Not only that, they move him up. Move him up inside the 20. And well, he still couldn't even get it into the end zone. I'm not expecting him to get the touchdown. I'm just expecting a pass that is, you know, worth, you know, yeah, making you gotta a look give, at. Yeah, you got to give yourself a chance. Yeah. I mean, and granted, even if he did put it in the end zone, Greg Little would have dropped it. Yeah. I mean, like, come on. It, it was just the, the Browns actually have a chance to go 0-16. I really do believe that because they faced a Ravens team that's played four games in 18 days. Yeah. I mean, the, re- replacement I mean, officials they hung, they hung weren't even them. there to hand them the game this time. I yeah. mean, um, I, I just I, I don't see – a potential win on the schedule anywhere. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. We just let a show off with the Cleveland Browns, uh, folks, just just in case you were wondering there. Um, I mean, granted, if they didn't play on Thursday, we probably wouldn't have no. mentioned the Browns at all. <laughs> the obvious big story is uh, the regular referees are back after Monday night's just absolute mess. I mean, so many words you can use to describe what happened on Monday night in Seattle. We won't talk about that because I think that's been talked about enough already. Uh, but the fact that these guys are, are finally back definitely uh, adds back to the integrity of this game. The players are happy. Um, Roger Goodell said Monday night had nothing to do with getting these guys back in there. I mean, yeah, I would. let's just say I would love to know how things would be going right now if that never happened on Monday. I'd, I, I'm, I, you know, Dan Patrick brought it up yesterday, and that's a great point. What if, never, what if that never happened? We would be seeing replacement referees yeah. this week. Let's there face is it, no Roger Goodell. I mean, you you could sugarcoat it all you want. You know, and I understand why he says it because he doesn't want to look like, oh well, if we have replacement referees, if we brought back replacement players, if we have another player lockout, whatever, you know, oh well, if they have a really bad week, they'll can them all and they will fold. That that he doesn't want to put that that image into people's minds. But come on. I mean, like, let's be honest here. That was a really atrocious display of officiating. Not sure how many timeouts there are. Not knowing the simultaneous catch rule. Saying two days later that you, after messing up the rule, still do not know the rule. (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's no, I mean, it's obvious that it was hurting the integrity of the game. And when you have guys like Steve Young, we talked about last week, ripping the officials right. on, and they did it again, they right? Did it on, again on, on a Monday. network that you are—it's—it's it's, you are You're very broadcast close games. with, right? 
uh, you really can't afford to have Hall of Famers talking poorly about the refs. And, you know, I, I think, again, uh, I, I think you're right. We would not have the regular officials back if it weren't for that terrible, awful call on Monday night. Despicable. Despicable is really the only word you can use uh, among others, of course. Um, so I guess that that puts to rest, you know, the official deal. I mean, yeah, referees will make mistakes. I'll I'll buy the argument that, you know, oh, well, you know, the refs, the, the regular refs make mistakes, too. Yeah, they do. But no one's going to notice it like they did with the replacement refs. That's just the facts, folks. That's, well, that's just the way it is. That's part of it. However, how many times do you see a scuffle that really wasn't much of anything boil over into stopping the game for 10 minutes? I mean, that changes the whole momentum of the game. I mean, let's say the quarterback comes out after that and throws a pick. The defense has now been sitting for 20 minutes. You don't think that, that they're you know tired at that? No, of course not. They, they've spent 20 minutes on the sideline. It's like having an extra halftime in the middle of the game. So the flow of the game was disrupted by having replacement officials. And when that happens, Mac, I, I think it ruins the integrity of the game beyond just, okay, maybe the official doesn't know the call. No, this is a step further. Now, I know there are people who wanted to rip on the replacement officials for the call against uh, New England in, in Baltimore with the ball going over right. the upright, but I still think that's the right call. Yeah, I thought it was the right call, It was too. within I the it rules, was good. but there would be no questions about that. I mean, people would look at it and go, hmm, I don't know. No one would say, oh, I bet the replacement officials messed that up. There's no way Bill Belichick will sit here and say that he wouldn't have done what he did after that game if it was, you know, Ed Hockley or Gene Steratore reffing the game. Yeah, and the There's fine no way he he's going up to that guy and, yeah. and pushing him. Yeah, and he deserves the fine he yeah. got, and I think he understands that. Yeah. Um, and he has no, I mean, say what you want about big, bad Bill Belichick, but he's never done anything like that. So you, you kind of give him a pass. And it's a very uh, – the ref has the responsibility to talk with the coaches and let them know what's going on on the field. And maybe he shouldn't have gone after a ref. But one of the line judges, the back judge, someone needs to go and talk to somebody after that game and let them know what happened. Right, right. Let, let's update the weekly pick em standings here on NFL Friday – I went five and one last week. Me and Julian actually went five and one. Mike and Nick both went four and two. So this is where it puts us. Julian's in first place, which got is a, unbelievable. He's got because, a one game lead over Nick. Yeah, twelve and six. Nick is eleven and seven. Me and you sitting at ten and eight. Why are we the guys on the air? These guys <laughs> clearly know what they're talking about more than us. I don't know why we're the ones babbling on. <laughs> if you want real information, go to these go guys to in the back. That's right. And and the game, of course, the results of the game, Rams and Browns lost by a combined 16 last week. The uh, the Browns lost by seven last night, so we'll get to that later on. Now it's just the Rams game. Now it's just the Rams game. <laughs> Let's get to some local talk and start off with the Giants. <laughs> And, of course, Eric Mallow is here with his weekly Giants report. After three weeks of football, the Giants have to be feeling pretty good about themselves. Not only are they 2-1, but they've put up 77 points in the last two weeks, found an unlikely spark plug in their backfield, and seem to be getting their pass rush back to its typically dominant form. This Sunday, Big Blue is in Philadelphia for a primetime matchup with the rival Eagles. 
and it hasn't been easy for the Giants in recent years. The Eagles have taken five of the last six regular season matchups, and Coach Tom Coughlin knows they're about as tough as it comes on both sides of the ball. Very physical, very fast football team. For two weeks, led the, the league in, in offensive production. Very explosive football team, and uh, we have our work cut out for us. The key to continued success for this Giants team is to stay healthy. They found two hidden gems in Andre Brown and Ramses Barden, but the team needs to have their starters on the field. The Mod Bradshaw and Hakeem Nicks are returning this week, but their defense is missing three corners, a linebacker, and a starting defensive tackle. They can't afford any more players to miss time, especially as the season kicks into gear and they start facing teams tougher than Carolina and Tampa. My prediction for this week, the Giants will extend their winning streak to three, beating the Eagles 24-13. And I think it'll be a pretty efficient win. Eli Manning will stay sharp, the run game will keep rolling, and the defense will continue to gel. But as we know, when the Giants go to Philly, they're usually in for an unpredictable ride. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Malo, WFUV Sports. And we thank Eric Malo for his weekly Giants report. Mac Rosenberg, Mike Watts, week four edition of One-on-One's NFL Friday here, WFUV Sports. And uh, well, we got to give Malo some love because his music selection every week uh, I don't know most of the bands, but I, the, it just sounds good. Let's face it. Yeah, and I, I actually good come guitar back. action on that last one. Right, I, I usually uh, come back after the show and ask them who exactly put together such brilliant pieces of music. <laughs> and upon finding out, I find the Pandora station for that for that artist and just mellow out to the tunes that Eric Malo also has. What, what's the name of this band here? That was Boney Vare. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good work. I like that. You mellow out to the tunes of Malo. Yes. <laughs> I mellow to Malo. Mellow to Malo. That's great. That's great. Giants-Eagles, and um, well, the road team wins this game a lot in the past. A uh, couple of storylines here. Well, this is just happening today. Hakeem Nix is doubtful for this game. Another knee issue, another knee-slash-foot uh, swelling of some sort. What is going on? I, I know he's really important, but... Have you ever felt more comfortable with your number one receiver going out than after watching Ramsey's Barden last Amazing, week? Amazing, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, against the Carolina defense, you know, you, you match up now against the Eagles defense. I, I would be a little less comfortable than I was going into last week on the road Sunday night. I mean, yeah, it's the same premise as last week, but let's face, it, I think the Eagles are a better team than the Panthers. I mean, yeah, turnovers and all in the first three <laughs> games of the year. I still think that the Eagles are a better team. Yeah, I'm actually not too sure about that. I, I know. <laughs> Now, granted, Cam Newton has not actually played very well this no. year, but man, Michael Vick has been atrocious. Oh, I mean, I was sitting in the in, in a room with an Eagles fan watching that game. I go, shouldn't they go for a field goal right now? No, we need to get a touchdown. All Vick has to do is not turn it over. Ninety something yard fumble return for a touchdown. He's turned the ball over nine times in his first three, games. and I believe that's a league high, and that's that's atrocious. I mean, this is a guy who's supposed to be a top ten. At, and he's paid more like a top five yeah. NFL quarterback. And it's not the guy that, that people saw a few weeks ago or even a few years ago where I, I think he even even early on when he didn't play very well, he was still moving around a little bit and maybe things just weren't going his way. I read maybe it was Freeman or Prisco or Judge on CBS Sports saying that it's it's possible that league people in the league are saying it's possible maybe people have figured out Michael Vick 
maybe they know how to how to slow him down. Maybe they've they've figured it out because he's lost a lot of his um, his speed. I mean, he's he's getting older now. The league is getting faster, and maybe his best weapon, his legs, are gone now. Yeah, he, he's thirty two. Um, 32 years old. He's thrown six interceptions this year. Not running the ball a whole lot. He's only got 21 rushes in the first three games. So, I mean, about, about seven a game there. Um, Eagles turnover ratio, minus six. That, that's awful. That's absolutely through three games. Terrible. Terrible through three awful. games. Giants have to take advantage of that. Their defense did a, a spectacular job the other night. Uh, last week against Cam Newton, they're facing the same type of player this week in Vic. I mean, so they have to well, they have to pressure him. Not only that, but think about it. Steve Smith is a small burner wide receiver who will kill you down the field. What's Deshaun Jackson? Burner down the field. Jeremy Macklin. Uh, Jeremy Macklin. So you've got a similar, very similar style of offense. I would argue that uh, Shady. Uh, is a better running back. LaShawn McCoy is a better running back for Philadelphia than anybody that the Panthers can put out, D'Angelo Williams included. And I would go as far as to say I think Shady is top five in the NFL. Oh, I think without he's a doubt. very, very he, good. He could be better. So admittedly, that's another dimension that you don't really see from the Panthers. But, I mean, the the styles are fairly similar. Yeah, yeah no, no question about it. Uh, and I think you mentioned McCoy. I think he's the X factor in this game for Philadelphia because they can't assume that Mike. They, you know, I mean, obviously they're not going to sit there and tell you that. Well, you know, Michael Vick. We're, we're not so sure how good of a game he's going to have, but they really can't be too sure about him going into this game. So, Lashawn McCoy really needs to step it up. Giants only give up, and I, I think it's a low number, uh, ninety-four rushing yards a game on the ground. I think that's that's relatively low. That's about average. Uh, maybe a little bit higher, but. I mean, the Giants' rush defense, not bad at all. 10th in the league. Um, 18th in the league in, in pass defense, not quite as good. But I think Shady McCoy has to have a, a breakout game. I believe he's the X factor in this game for the Eagles. Yeah, but I think he's a guy who transcends, oh, well, they have a good run defense. I mean, he is that good, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. And yeah. I think, of course, the style that the, the Eagles like to run does help him in that, in that cause. Yeah. So I would say that... Uh, Right now, when you look at the Eagles' offense, it is two-dimensional in the sense that Vic does have the ability to stretch the field. And when you look at, at uh, LaShawn McCoy, uh, he does have the ability to stretch left to right. So I, I, I think this will be the toughest test offensively that we may see this year because there is so much talent at the running back spot that it may slow down the awesome defensive front that is the Giants' defense. Let's you know look at the other side of that coin in the Giants' offense. Ahmad Bradshaw going to play? Coughlin says he's going to start. Is that the right move? We don't like Ahmad Bradshaw on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, no, we don't. No, uh, I mean he, he, you know, he didn't he didn't really show you much of anything before he got hurt. And yeah. then Andre Brown comes in and does what he does last week. Ahmad Bradshaw should be the starter. I will say that. Yeah, he, he should be the starter because I I don't think anyone one game should be, from Andre Brown. Right, I don't think anyone should be Wally pipped here. Yeah. That said, in my opinion, Andre Brown is a better runner for this style of team than Ahmad Bradshaw, and I think Ahmad Bradshaw is in his best element when he's used as a change of pace back, like he was with. Brandon Jacobs, where he was picking up five, six, seven yards a carry. So right now, yes, you need to give him his job back. If he does as poorly 
in this game as he did the first few weeks. Really, Andre Brown should be the guy getting more carries. And it's possible that although my Bradshaw gets the start, it's very possible Andre Brown still gets more touches. Behind those two, honestly, the giant running game has been nada. I mean, David Wilson, Darrell Scott, you know, this is not much. Well, David Wilson two. does have the talent. He just needs yeah. to hold on to the pigskin. Yeah, I mean, you got. I mean, he hasn't gotten enough. Uh, I don't think he's got enough looks. He's only got six carries. I mean, yeah. But but personally, if I'm Tom Coughlin, why tell me why I should give David Wilson more carries with with Bradshaw healthy now and Andre Brown? Well, and and you're right. Where's However, the room for him? Well, and and there's no room for him to carry the ball, and he's not a proficient enough pass protector to put him on the field then. So if you put him on the field on a passing down, everyone knows that he's going to be flanking out anyways, so you can bring the extra pressure. And that essentially gives away your offense a little bit. So, in in my opinion, really, David Wilson doesn't have a role on this team right now. And while the, uh, pardon, the start of the year, it makes sense for him to be on this team because you didn't see Andre Brown coming. Right. Andre Brown is here. David Wilson should should be on special teams. Yeah, as of right now, and he's he is a rookie, so I mean he'll have the time. Yes, you know? and he'll learn. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. A telling stat. This is interesting. You, you probably wouldn't think about this. Eagles uh, almost could could very well be one and two right now. Um, mm-hmm. and people say they could be zero and three, but let's face it, no way they were losing that first game of the year. <laughs> um, All right. They've only faced one very good quarterback. That's Joe Flacco. Right. Um, still, they're, they're you know they're they are third in the league in, in passing yards. Defense. Which timeout? Can can I just say Joe Flacco is an elite quarterback? I did not think that at the start of the year, but you know, yeah, they they coming gave back up some against yards New England late. Gi- yeah, may, maybe he he got his he got his own against the Giants, but Joe Flacco is elite. I really do think that him and Matt Ryan are the two guys that make the leap up this year. Okay. from right. you know they they're good leaders. They you know move the team when they need to to elite quarterback i'm not ready to call flacco elite until he gets to the super bowl and matt ryan's gotta i can win. live with that matt ryan's got to win at least one playoff game he hasn't won a playoff game yet <laughs> fair give me, enough give me one i mean he's been in the playoffs enough times he's got to win yeah uh, he's got they both have to start winning consistently flacco has won in the playoffs he's got to make that next step to the super bowl now he's been in a couple of championship games he's got to get to the super bowl um i think it's prediction time for the eagles and giants uh i think a, a huge part of this game and uh, you know I'm, i just mentioned it is the pass defense for the eagles yes they've only faced one good quarterback but Let's not underrate them. Their secondary is very, you know, their secondary is very good. I mean, they are two and one. They were able to squeak out those first two wins. Uh, you know, I, I think they are a little bit of of what we've they, they, their true colors are a little bit of what we've seen in all three of the first games. They can turn the ball over, but they can also you know stay in the game long enough that you know if you leave Michael Vick a minute left in the game or whatever it was against uh, you know first two games Baltimore and Cleveland, he's going to be able to come back and win. Yeah, no, and you're right. And I would, I'll would, i say this will be the, the key to my selection. If the Eagles turn the ball over more than two times, they lose. No, yeah, no there's, doubt there's my no mind. Way. There's no way they win. One or two turnovers the they can overcome. And to Can't be afford honest, it. I think they can win that game. And I think they have a little bit of fire under them right now to, to win games. Because I think if this team doesn't go to the playoffs this year, Andy Reid is gone. Yeah, I mean, you can't keep rolling Huge, that yeah. this team out there like that. Now, I will say Namdi Asamoah, I think, is a matchup issue, as he always is. With Asante Samuel last year, they couldn't leave him on an island because Samuel is a is a guy who's best in zone. So now... He's gone. Right. And, and so I think this is a situation where the Eagles might have a bit of an advantage in the back. My gut says 
that, that the Eagles could pull the upset, but I still think the Giants are oh, going to So win. you are going to pick the Giants. Yeah. All right. Um, the the Eagles, yeah, you said two, two turnovers. I mean, honestly, uh, I'm going to be generous and agree with you, but honestly, if they turn the ball over one time, that could be huge because, you know, they can afford to do it against Cleveland. I'm shocked that they were able to win against Baltimore the amount of times they turned the ball over, and we saw what happened right. in, against Arizona. There's no way they can afford to do it against no. New York. Giants win 31-23. have a score? Uh, yeah, let's go. I, I like 31 for the Giants. I'm actually going to take it down one notch and say seven below that. So I'll, tw- I'll say 24, actually, for the Giants. I'll say the Eagles rack up 20, 24-20. Okay, and uh, Julian picks the Giants on the other side. Nick picks the Eagles. So... Nick's the only one picking Philadelphia. It's a chance for him and, to and continue to And he's a Giants fan. He's not lead. confident at all. Uh, so we all pick the Giants except Nick. He's not Nick, a real fan. Except yeah. the only Giant fan here, yeah. Nick. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about the Jets now. And, of course, our weekly gangrene report with Joe Vidiello. Earlier this season, I went on record saying the Jets will go 10-6 and six this year. Well... Those hopes slowly faded away this past Sunday with Gangreen's poor play. That is until they all but disappeared when cornerback Darrell Revis crumbled to the ground holding his leg. He lay on the ground wincing as fans did the same. When Revis finally walked off under his own power, a little hope was restored. But Jets fans' worst nightmares were confirmed one day when he was diagnosed with a torn ACL. Coach Ryan hasn't ruled him out for the entire season yet, but in all likelihood, based on prior injuries, it isn't likely he will return this year. Now, Gang Green's defense hasn't lived up to their potential, but with the injury, you can throw any thought of a top-flight defense out the window. In an attempt to fill the now gaping hole in the secondary, Rex Ryan has moved running back Joe McKnight to cornerback. He will now spend time on offense, defense, and special teams. He's got the speed, the size, athleticism, ball skills, everything you look for in a corner. And so I don't think there's any reason not to think that uh, that Joe McKnight couldn't be a corner. It's just going to take time, obviously. McKnight hasn't been too pleased about his new role, but this must change if he wants to win. Anyway, getting to this Sunday, the Jets face a powerful 49ers team at the Meadowlands. San Francisco is coming off of a shocking loss to the Minnesota Vikings and will want to show that it was just a fluke. Look for them to take out their frustrations on a now-depleted gangrene squad. I do, however, expect the Jets to manage to keep it close in the first half before being overwhelmed by the Niners' offense. My prediction? 49ers 34, Jets 10. Covering the... I'm Joe Vidiello, WFUV Sports. And thanks to Joe Vidiello every week with the Jets report here. One-on-one's NFL Friday. Week 4 edition, Mac Rosenberg, Mike Watts. So he picks the Niners to win. Um, let's start off the Jets second by asking a simple question. Who has more yards per carry, Frank Gore or Tim Tebow? Joe McKnight. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm going to say Frank Gore yeah. only because he's on my fantasy team. And only but because I, I told you I, before I, the show. Oh, okay, yeah. But, sure. uh, yeah, Gore is averaging almost six yards per carry. You heard right. Tim Tebow's got 5.4. That leads the Jets. He has so seven many, carries. So Relax. He's uh, <laughs> got the <laughs> longest run of the year for the Jets, okay, and the most yards per carry. So, I mean, Sean Green has... 2.8 yards per carry. 
It's just awful. Can I reiterate that I never liked Sean Green? Uh, uh, Me neither. Here's the thing. Never liked him. From a fantasy perspective, I can see why Steve might like him because he gets a ton of carries, a ton of touches. So there's always the chance he could rip one off. I mean, this year, look, he ripped one off that was 14 yards. I mean, you (laughs) never know when he could rip off another (laughs) 14-yarder. I have no confidence in Sean Green. And people want to blame the offensive line, but it's not a bunch of nobodies. I mean, they have... Ferguson and Mangold, and they have some good players on that line. Not it's the not worst like offensive line in football by any stretch. Not. Maybe and, not and even for, the worst in conference. Right, and for a, for a starting running back to rack up a 2.8 yard per carry Awful. average that is just despicable. Is atrocious. No and I will say how much of that is Mark Sanchez's fault for failing to stretch the field? I don't know. But now, I would say it seems like this happens every year the last since Rex Ryan got here that that you know their starting running back is what three and a half three point two yards a carry that's not good no enough. not good at all and now you got nobody behind him because Joe McKnight <laughs> moving the cornerback <laughs> Bilal Powell woohoo oh my God. although he is averaging four yards a carry relax everybody how many that's carries good. does he have two. 22. Oh, right. Yeah, I know. He's he's touching the ball a lot. And he, yeah, right. he once ripped off an 11-yarder way back <laughs> when. I mean, 11 yards. That's 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 like a, that's like a 20-yard game for where, most teams. Where has he been in the first last couple of years? Why haven't we seen him? Oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, Tim Tebow, uh, I put him second on the depth chart right now uh, as far as running backs. But that's just me. That's not a good. No. That's not good. Not at all. The Jets <laughs> face the Niners and then Houston, both at home. Can they win one of those games? Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I, <laughs> should that tell you what, what no, I think? Uh, yeah, it should. Is that accurate? Revis going down is, is really huge. Um this you know, I, I think if, if if one if if you were to have one move on one team single handedly prevent a team from going to the playoffs, it would probably be Revis. And you love Revis. Yeah, and we, we actually talked about it last week because I said you immediately yeah. cut down about a third of the field because that is Revis Island. Yep. And I hate saying that because I'm, I'm not a huge Jets fan, so I, it kind of makes me not feel so good uh, when I say <laughs> it. You know, my, my stomach churns, the thought of calling it Revis Island. But when you see him lining up as, as the corner on the number one receiver, he's out of the passing game. You'll probably throw as many interceptions as the, as you do completions to that player when he's on Darrell Rivas. So losing him is big enough, but I think he's a physical tackler when they come to his side, so he's not bad in run defense. I think this is a major loss both in the pass game and the run game for, for, the, for the Jets here. And for me, I have a hard time seeing them make the playoffs to begin with. Right. I, Which, I yeah, see a much did. tougher road now. Yeah. I didn't pick him. I didn't pick him to make the playoffs before the season started. I'm not changing that based on this uh, injury. These next two games, man. You know, if they don't win one, because let's face it, the Patriots are going to get their act together. Yeah. Uh, right. I, the, I mean, you know, the Jets have a chance. I think they have a chance to move up to second place because we both loved the Buffalo Bills before the season started. Not so much. They, anymore. Not so much anymore. Yeah, they did beat the Browns, but I mean, they beat the Browns. So let me tell and, and you, CJ Spiller's out now. Yeah, let me tell you how the Jets' schedule continues. Yeah. Here. Right. San Francisco this week, who many argued was the best team in football. Still probably are. Houston, who some other people would argue is the best team in football. The Colts, who seem to be in every game they play in right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, New England, 
who will, as we said, get their act together. The no Dolphins, they who they only beat by three. That's at home. That's at home. Seahawks on the road at Quest the Field, Packers, which I'm not feeling at all. The Packers lost. I mean, it, it, even if they ended up winning that game, which right. we all think they should have, it was still a tough game throughout yeah. the whole game. At the Rams, which I think is a deceivingly tough matchup. I, I you know, I'm a Rams fan. against the I, Patriots. I, yeah, I the Cardinals, who many people didn't see being very good, but their defense has been phenomenal. Yeah. And frankly, Cobb has looked pretty good the last few weeks. The Jaguars, come on, that's a win. They, yeah, uh, win even on game. the road, I mean, yeah. you're playing in front of a lot of empty seats. They gotta but win. Once you get over that, yep. at the Titans, who have been pretty decent this year, not great, but decent. The Chargers, who have the talent to beat you. And then the Bills to close out the season on the road in what's likely to be in a snow globe. So, <laughs> I mean, this is a difficult schedule. I not, mean, like, really easy. difficult. There are some 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 good games, but I think that, that the thing about this schedule is that there's so many games where it's like, you know, okay, they could win, but they could so easily lose. You yeah, know? And, like and, like the Dolphins, they could lose to the Dolphins. They almost did. They could definitely lose to the Seahawks and definitely lose to the Rams. But on the flip side, you could say, yeah, they could definitely win too. It's it's just, you, you just don't know. Yeah, and they're two and one right now. They need at least seven more wins to make the playoffs as a wild card. You, it, you are not going to make it, it at eight, might and eight. Be, it might be ten. They may need ten. Right. Wins. So you need minimum I mean, yeah, seven minimum, to give yourself yeah. a chance. Nine on the season minimum. I don't see seven no. wins in this schedule. The Jets have to win at least one of the next two games. Like I said, Niners and Texans. It just it, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're both home, which is you know it, it definitely helps them, but. I mean, they have to win one of those two because it doesn't get much easier after that. Yeah, they'll have the Colts, but I mean, I, I still I, I don't yeah. see it for the Jets right now. Well, um, it, I, it is worth mentioning, and and our guy in the back here, our boy, our our brilliant football mind, Nick Legerfo, telling us that indeed San Francisco did look really bad to Minnesota. That was on the road. I will throw that out there. The other thing is is. I think Minnesota's defense is wildly underrated. We talked about Jared Allen. Right, and and he did say, go ahead, try and run against us. See yeah. what happens. And, yeah, yep. Frank Gore got his, but uh, Alex Smith didn't did look great. Look he finally all. threw an interception yep. for the first time, I think, in his last seven regular season Something games. Something like that, yeah. It was a record. Um, Niners record. Right. So I, I think the Niners, while they had a bad game against Minnesota, should be ready to bounce back. The Niners have never lost two in a row under Jim Harbaugh. Fair enough. That is is a telling. I mean, it's only did, been a, what a year Stanford and a quarter ever now. Did Stanford lose two in a row? <laughs> I mean, Harbaugh. That that right. proves you how good a coach he is. Because the next week, his teams are ready to yep, roll, they, and he makes sure they are. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I want to touch on. Another thing, the Jets' receiving game is Santonio Holmes. Fine, and this could be the probably the biggest strong point on this team right now with Revis out in the running game abysmal. Is the receiving game now finally starting to break through with, with Holmes? Because, let's face it, Holmes has just not been the breakout guy that the Jets touted him as when they got him from the Steelers a few years ago. He had 147 receiving yards last week, easily leading this team in receiving. Is uh, is he finally making that next step, you think, for Sanchez? Because I think he has to. He has to right now. Yeah, well, here's here's the thing about Santonio Holmes. When he wants to be, he is a Pro Bowl wide receiver. That's, that's the problem. He it's just sometimes I don't want to say he questions motivation. I think he wants to win. Yeah. I just think he takes it out the wrong way. Yep. So his, you know, the second choice on this team right now is Jeremy Curley, Stephen Hill. You know, Stephen those Hill, guys. Uh, what five catches, eighty nine yards, two two scores. It's basically Santonio San Holmes and everybody else, right? And it's just this obvious drop off. So 
maybe Holmes is getting it together. Boy, would that be great. But at the same time, I, I'm not really all that impressed by, by the rest of the receiving core. And when you face a good defense like, I don't know, the 49ers or the Texans, yeah. you're, you're in a bit of trouble I mean, because the, if they shut down Holmes, I don't know who Sanchez is going to throw it to. Yeah, they're facing some pretty, pretty solid defenses. Uh, Sanchez has done a, a solid. I'll credit Sanchez on being able to spread the ball to his receivers. He's thrown to quite a bit of receivers. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, these next two are going to be so huge. Well, and even then, Mark Sanchez's numbers are not good. No. And, no. I, I mean, it. If if his numbers were accurate of how he played on average, if he was a 50% completion guy, a touchdown a game, maybe a pick, gets sacked a couple times, I could actually live with that. But he's not because you get a really, really good drive, and you go, man, this guy is good. He's got a ton of talent. Uh, so nice. And, and then the next 10 drives, you're lucky to get Awful. three or four first that, downs. That was the Pittsburgh Steelers game. Right. So – I, I don't know what to take out of Mark Sanchez right now because the third year is supposed to be the year where it all comes together. And I feel like he is even more up. I, I think he's even more, I don't want to say inconsistent, but it's the only word that comes to mind than he was even the first two years. Yeah, it's actually his fourth. I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that even, that even furthers your argument. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's time now. Sure. We know what he did in his first two years, but, I mean, I mean, you know, we, we, we have to see right now because first two years he goes to the championship game. Last year, no playoffs. So now it's like, okay, you know, you know, it, you know. Get let's just put it this way: getting to the championship game in his first two years didn't really help when he didn't even make the playoffs in 2011. So I mean, the fans are expecting that, and uh, you know, he's just very, very inconsistent. Let's just put it that way: a, a 58 quarterback rating against the Dolphins. Well, 58. It's tough because what do you tell Mark Sanchez? Well, you know, when things get really bad, hand it off to your running back who doesn't <laughs> average a first down every three carries. <laughs> I mean, like. A mediocre back so is a guy who can't get a first down on average every three carries. Sean Green then is a mediocre oh, running worse, back. Worse, worse. So, in my opinion. and 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 I, I'm fine with that. I can <laughs> I can live with that. But right now he doesn't have a safety blanket at all. I think Keller is out again this week. Is that right? I'm not positive. I'll I'll, I'll I, check. I, you know, either way, they got to get him. He's and he's been practicing. Out. He's, he's been practicing. Important. And then it's just nothingness. You have Santonio Holmes, who when he's shut down, you're in trouble. And a running game that's not going to help. And yeah. you don't have a ton of time because the right tackle you picked up off the street. I, I don't know quite what to tell Mark Sanchez other than, sorry you're on a team that doesn't give you the weapons to succeed. Yeah, I, I, and Keller will likely be back. Uh, Stephen Hill didn't practice. He's unlikely to play, in fact. So and, and you trade one for the other. I'm going to ask you about Stephen Hill because I personally thought he'd be a great pick coming out of college, even though he played in a very run-oriented system. Is he the second-best receiver on this team? It's so hard after Holmes to, to say a definite number two because you have Curley who's been able to make plays, and yeah, Hill has also been able to make plays. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Curley because this is he Hill Hill has five catches for 89 yards. He does have two touchdowns, but I. I I, if it came down to it, I probably would rather have Curly right now, right? Uh, because you know Hill has a hamstring problem; he's looking doubtful for the game. Rex Ryan said. So, 
you know, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have Curley on one side, Holmes on the other. Keller will be in there for you, so you finally have a decent tight end other than Jeff Cumberland. Uh, you know, I mean, God, he just can't can't catch a break here. Mark Sanchez has to have some. He has to find some sort of consistency. That's the bottom line. I mean, you know, you even look at his numbers when they did make the playoffs. Oh nine when they made the, their first championship game, he had twelve touchdowns and twenty interceptions. The defense they was won the defense in was all world. Of him. Yeah, the defense was all world. Now they're not. And and here's the thing He'll about Mark Sanchez. Now. If you're going to have a quarterback who throws at a 50% completion clip, put Tim Tebow in anyways. <laughs> right. And and here's the thing. It's not Mark Sanchez's fault. I, I Personally, I was not a fan of how he handled leaving USC. That said, it, it's so obvious to me that he doesn't have the tools around him to succeed. So why not put in a quarterback who at least adds one more dimension, who can at least run the football when the line can't block or run the football when – everybody is covered and forces a linebacker to sit on you and spy constantly because you are that effective a runner. It's not Sanchez's fault, but I think in a team this bad, Tim Tebow is the better quarterback for right now. You know, and that's if, sad. If the Jets get blown out in these next two games at home, I don't care who you're facing. I know you're facing two good teams, but if they get blown out at home, people are going to start calling for him and, and, you know, and rightfully so I'm picking the Niners. 27-13, Frank Gore has a big game, and uh, Sanchez will probably throw at least one interception or turn it over somehow. Yeah, fair enough. I'll go with the uh, Niners as well, and I think that'll bring the Jets down to 2-2, two and two, and I don't think they'll be above 500 again for a little while. Uh, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll say the Niners put up 24, which sounds familiar because of my last pick, and I'll say the Jets put up 10. Nick on the other side picks the Niners, so we're all with the Niners except Julian. Uh, Julian's got to be a Jet fan if he's picking the Jets. Uh, Julian picks the Jets, so that that's you know that's huge. If they beat the Niners, that will be pretty big. And and you know what? It's happened before where they've gone out and they've been you know they've beaten the Patriots and they've they've beaten. I remember they beat the Titans years ago when they were undefeated. So the Jets have made some big wins, but uh, this is going to be one of those hard ones. And they're get. well coached. I mean, get, give them credit because I do believe in their coaching. And anytime you're well coached, yeah. you at least have a chance against teams that are better than you physically, mentally, strategically. You have a chance to come out and surprise some teams. I just don't see that happening. Let's get to our general NFL now and a couple of storylines emerging from the first three weeks now. We've got three and zero teams to talk about. The Cardinals, the Falcons, and the Texans. Who is the most, in what order, you know, is the most legit here? Um, I think it's quite obvious, but uh, who do you think is the most legit? Well, and first, the Texans are benefiting from, they're going to be a terrible division. Uh, oh, yeah, I horrible. Mean, They'll sweep the division. Tennessee is your best, best bet to knock them off, and even then, I just don't see that happening. I predicted them to sweep the division at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong no. either, so... I think Texans, Falcons, then Cards. Right. I, I don't buy into the Cards offense because they don't run the ball that well. No. They don't throw the ball. They that don't well. have a good offense. It's their defense. Right. Every, everybody's talking about their defense, and they have Larry Fitzgerald. Don't remember. Don't don't forget. So, I think he had nine yards last week. No, no, it was, it was the a week couple weeks before, ago. Right, he, he, and had, he actually exploded the, last yeah, week. Yeah, right? the, fir- the first two weeks of the year, he had like two receptions. It, who benched him? This guy. I, I benched Larry Fitzgerald. That's a good decision. Stupid. Oh, thank uh, you. Based on 
what he did in the first two um, weeks. No, if the Cards had a even respectable offense, much less, what if they still had Kurt Warner? It's yeah, it's really is it a respectable offense? Because let's face it, that, that the reason why they're doing so well is really because of their defense. But if Larry Fitzgerald starts to get on a, gro- a groove like he's doing now, starts to get in a rhythm with Kevin Cobb, because let's face it, I think that he can get in more of a rhythm with Kevin Cobb than he can with Skelton, and Skelton's not in it anymore. So you know, give give uh, Fitzgerald. Uh, you know, now we got another game here. Give him give him some some more time to create that rhythm. Remember, he had Skelton the first game, and then you know went right to Cobb in the second. So he hasn't really gotten time. Now he's gotten a, f- a couple of games. Let's see if he gets in a groove with with his quarterback. This team could be dangerous if Fitzgerald gets back to where we know he can be. Um, Falcons, you know, uh, uh, Falcons are, are really really good. The only thing that is bothering me is the running game. And, you know, Michael, it's nitpicking, but Michael Turner hasn't played great. They do have a a young runner by the name of Jaquiz Rogers in the backfield. (laughs) That's a great name. I picked him up in fantasy, actually, because I love that laugh, too. Because uh, he he's uh, he's been doing some stuff. He's a speedy uh, scat back type guy. So you have him with Turner, who's a power back. Could be a good mix there. It is a good mix. And then you combine that with, You've got Roddy White, who's real quick. You've got Julio Jones, yeah. who is an outstanding uh, possession receiver. And Tony Gonzalez, who oh, is yeah. a, a great possession tight end. Fountain of youth. I, I don't know how he does oh, it, to be yeah, honest. It's, it's, but it's you amazing. look at, at the overall group there, and that is a ton of weapons. And Matt Ryan is a more than capable quarterback. So they they run the ball, I would argue, pretty well. And they throw the ball pretty well. I mean, that's 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 the makings of a good offense. And then... Their defense does enough. They aren't incredible. No. They aren't the best in the league. But as long as you can hold teams to about 20, you expect your offense to come up with 25 to 30 the way that they're built. They, they, can, they can generally get you over 20 points. I just I'm going I'm going to the offensive stats on NFL.com to see where the Texans and Falcons rank in, in, in comparison to each other. Guess who the number one offense in terms of yards per game in the NFL is right now? His name is Jamal Charles. <laughs> Let's, I mean, come on. You know, obviously, it's not the Chiefs. It's Jamal Charles. Didn't he miss a week? Unbelievable. No, I, no he, he's been healthy. Okay. But, I mean, he, uh, God, I mean, unbelievable what Jamal Charles did last week to the Saints. Um, but I do want to just finish up with the Falcons and Texans because I actually think that the Falcons' offense is better than the, than the Texans' offense. I, I, I do believe that. I know they have Andre Johnson. I know they have Arian Foster. Matt Schaub almost got killed last week, but he managed to win in Denver. Um, <laughs> literally almost got killed. Uh, but I do really, really like the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm looking for them on this statue. I cannot, I cannot find them for some reason. They're, they're 19th. Can you believe that? 19th. No. They're 3-0, and they're 19th in the league in offensive yards per game. Well, can I just say... Yards per game is a very misleading statistic. That's because the Chiefs are number one. <laughs> Obviously. Oh, Romeo. And one and two. Uh, we'll talk about Romeo Not the first later, time you'll hear Romeo on do. this show. Um, but, I mean, if you think about it, yeah, the Browns racked up 320 passing yards last game. They were winging it around just trying to get back in the game. Yeah. So, yeah, it means something, but... You know, the Ravens won 23-16 last night, and they had a 70-yard interception return for a touchdown. That's not total offense, but no. it's seven points. Right, right. A-, a lot of teams, you know, I don't want to say they're stagnant, but some teams end up pulling drives out, 80-yard drives when they need them. But a lot of the time, maybe they go three and out, or they only get one first down, and, and that's not shown very well in total offense because there are teams that pick up 40 yards every drive and then hit the 30-yard line, and it's kryptonite. Right. 
Right, and and the Chiefs, it's funny you mentioned, you know, just trying to get back in the game because that's what they've done for three straight weeks. They were able to win one of them. They were down all game against the Falcons, down all game against the Bills, lost both of those games, and uh, they were down all game against the Saints, able to squeak out a tie at the end of regulation and win in overtime. So, yeah, I mean, and, of course, Jamal Charles is just uh, back. Let's just put it that way. He is he is back. He's a different animal. Yeah, yeah, right he now. really is. Uh, let's. I want to talk injuries right now. Reggie Bush hurt his knee last week. He was limited in practice. C.J. Spiller, such a shame because what he was doing for fantasy leagues all over the country was uh, was really <laughs> was really just you know it was great to watch. The Bills are now two and one uh, because C.J. Spiller played one half against the Browns. That's all they needed him for yeah, to be able true. to win that game. Um, he practiced Thursday and it, it looked really bleak right when he hurt that shoulder. I believe it was. It looked bleak, but now there's a, you know Chan Gailey says that you know he could probably play this week, but they're probably going to sit him out. But he'll he should be definitely be back next week. Um, what do you think about C.J. Spiller? Just you know off the charts in those first few games right after Fred Jackson got hurt. Well, exactly. Fred Jackson got hurt, mm-hmm. and Fred Jackson was a guy where everyone said, oh, man, he's the real deal. Yeah, he's and he was. It. And he was. Last year before he got hurt last year. To have C.J. Spiller as your backup running back, when there are guys like Chris Obanaya who have a job in this league, <laughs> is a complete joke to me because, I mean, that, that team is stacked running back-wise. They've got Stevie Johnson. They've got some other good players on that team, and, Fitzpatrick. Some people like him. I I liked him not as much right now. But they're two I mean, and one because of their running backs. Exactly. To shard choice now. Right. And to be honest, I I like to shard choice. I will say that I liked him in Dallas. Uh, but he's not C.J. Spiller, and he's certainly not Fred Jackson either. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, Julio Jones, another guy who. Um, was hurt against uh, the Chargers, by the way. Atlanta had no problem with that game, traveling to the West Coast. Uh, Julio Jones, he hurt his hand pretty badly, it looked like. He was limited Thursday. And um, another Jackson, Steven Jackson, uh, you know, didn't practice groin issues. Uh, you know, I, I want to talk to you about Steven Jackson because, you know, we, I'm, I'm, you know, we know I'm a huge Rams fan, and, I, you know, it's kind of tough to watch because Steven Jackson, folks, is on the wrong side of 25 for a running back. I mean, he's 29 years old. It's to the point. He's almost on the wrong side of thirty. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That close the to second 30? you turn yeah. thirty, you're on the wrong side of thirty. That's accurate. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's amazing what has happened to him. I, I just, it looks like to me, he's on the decline. And so many Ram fans in the community tell me that you know, oh well, you know, he uh, he doesn't start well. Usually. Wait, did so, you just say Ram fans in the community? Do you mean our community? Well, I know. I, 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 I write. I write. I write for BleacherReport.com about the St. Louis Rams. So there's a big Ram community over there, you know. Uh, and so you know, the the, the commenters in, in in that Rams community uh, often are, are telling me that Stephen Jackson does not start well, and that he'll 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 come right back. Well, you know, with age. It's not so easy to come back from a rough start. His longest run of the year is 12 yards. He averages under four yards per carry. I mean, you know, it's just not looking good. But it's a good thing the Rams have a guy by the name of Daryl Richardson, seventh-round draft pick, okay, out of Abilene Christian. This guy uh, he, Isn't he the best Richardson at running back in, in the draft? Is that right? <laughs> no, come on now. He might prove to be by the end of the year if the Rams actually, which is my point, give him some time. Jackson uh, missed most of the Redskins game. Richardson came in and, and, and did great. Had a, a 53-yard run in that game. They've got to get him in more. Yeah, They've got to get him in more. This Rams running game is, is stagnant uh, with Steven Jackson right now. That's just the facts. Yeah, but I think Jackson is at his best when he gets enough carries, when he gets the opportunity to 
to play well. So I, I, I understand why you want Richardson to get carries because he's done well in limited time. But I would say that you're really playing with fire if you start taking Steven Jackson out of the fold. You know, I I I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm and I'm I'm one of the only people, if not the only person, who who really does believe that the Rams need to get Daryl Richardson into the game more because I I know Stephen Jackson is Stephen Jackson, but not number one now he's not healthy. Okay, and, and number two, I just I just he just doesn't look the same anymore. Yeah, he should play, but they got to get Richardson in there more. I mean, they got to get him in there more. Um, another storyline. How good are the Seahawks now with, with, with Russell Wilson? I mean, even if they lost that game on Monday, I still think that they need to be listed as a really solid team. But on paper, they pulled out wins against the Cowboys and uh, Packers back-to-back weeks. You want to know what Russell Wilson would be if he were three inches taller? A first-round draft pick. Cam Newton. Top 10 draft pick. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I watched him probably half a dozen times at Wisconsin uh, coming from Big Ten country. He's he's really good. He's yeah. a little short, but he's really he good. He's short. That's probably the only issue with him. The intangibles for this guy are really, really, really good. I mean, he's got the intangibles. He doesn't, you know, he's not, there's nothing that he does great. I mean, I wouldn't say there's anything that, but it's amazing how much intangibles can make you a better player. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, he's not a, he's not a, a gunslinger. He's not, you know, he can run the football, but he's just a team guy. And he's he has that attitude, you know, where... You know, he came in in preseason and just wowed everybody, and they signed Matt Flynn for however many dollars, and he's sitting on the bench now because of what their first-round draft pick did. Yeah, but Wilson doesn't care about getting touchdowns because he loves Skittles. <laughs> right, so he that, does I have, mean, that's a good he sign. He does have the Skittles. Was he a first-round draft pick? I may have messed up on no, that. No, no, he was, he was not. not a first if he were three pick. inches taller, there's no right. doubt in my mind he's a first-round, probably top-ten draft pick because yeah. he has everything that you want. Right. Third-rounder, yeah. But no, he's five eleven, and the league doesn't like five eleven quarterbacks, so he's third round. Yeah, lucky yeah. Seahawks. And now, you know, let's talk about that defense, man. Did you see what they were doing to Aaron Rodgers? Real deal. unbelievable. Chris Clemens, Bruce Irvin on that offensive. Bruce Irvin, he looks like he could be a defensive back, and he's playing D line. Unbelievable. He's an animal. Yeah. I mean, I watched that game, and he is just an animal. Yeah, he, he I mean, is. he's no J.J. my name without an S, but no, he's an animal. No, he is not no J.J. With, that, with your name without an S. No. He is 6'3", 248. Unbelievable. And he's he's quick like a guy who so would be quick. that size. Yeah. So quick. And, and Clemens, of course, had like a billion sacks in that game. Unbelievable how they were able to break that Packers O-line. And one more thing with the Seahawks, Marshawn Lynch. This guy, Skittles. this guy is, is who was the Skittles with Lynch or, or Wilson? It was with one of those guys. Lynch. You mentioned it with yeah, Wilson. It was last year. No, he doesn't want his touchdowns because he wants all those Skittles. <laughs> he wants to see Marshawn Lynch getting his Skittles. Lynch is uh, is re- he's really good. I mean, uh, he's so hard to bring down. Uh, he's not that fast necessarily, but he's just hard to bring down. He's a power workhorse guy. Second in the league in carries through three weeks. He's averaging twenty four a game. And I have no problem with that if I'm a Seattle fan. They made the playoffs, was it last year or two years ago? Beat the Saints. Right, with that incredible run by Marshawn Lynch where he didn't break like 15 tackles. And then I I think it was the Bears who they couldn't beat. Right. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Unbelievable uh, what the Seahawks are doing. So, you know, we'll see. NFC West West is looking pretty good right now. Hopefully the Rams can get a win this week. Uh, Let's talk about some fantasy football with Steve Seminary. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups of the week? Plus, start them or sit them to help you win your league. Steve, uh, talk to me about owners who are dealing with 
Matt Forte out, C.J. Spiller out, guys like me. Well, <laughs> it's week four, so the injuries are starting to pile up, as it, as you know. So those aren't the only injuries as well. I mean, Matt yeah. Stafford suffered the hip injury. He's Re- going to play. I believe he's going to play. Yeah, he, he looks like he will play. Reggie Bush also practiced this week and looks like he will play. Another guy. Jeremy Macklin practiced. Dustin Keller practiced. So they are, there are guys getting healthy, but like you said, there are guys that are on the shelf right now. I'm in a league, and you, this will blow your mind, both of you. I have DeMarco Murray, Matt Forte, and C.J. Spiller. Unbelievable! The that they people were all in your healthy. league. Uh, did well, they? Okay. Did they like football? Okay, no. Okay, nobody <laughs> before. Okay, C.J. Spiller was a late round, if not a last round pick, because nobody thought he was going to do anything before the season started. Are you in a good enough league, Steve, where people actually knew to pick up C.J. Spiller no, 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 before no. the last round? That's I'm, ridiculous. Well, not, not, but it, it was before the last round, but it was late. It well, was late. Well, I'm actually in a league with Mac over well, yeah, here. Yeah, we're in a league. I, I'm, I'm dominating that league, by the way. 3-0. and oh. I'm 0-3, by the way. So. <laughs> oh, Why are you oh. doing I think I should be doing fantasy. For, well, then for Steve show. should be in that chair. You guys should switch <laughs> places. I can talk and to I, Steve And I actually have Spiller uh, this week. Tell, you know, talk to me about the running backs. We'll start with them. Who are some options for this week with uh, some of those big guys going down? Well, running back, I like Cedric Benson this week against the Saints. And I'm starting him over Spiller. Yeah, and I love Cedric Benson. Yeah, he he had a really solid game against the Seahawks. Well, especially after the ugly loss on Monday night. This Green Bay team is hungry, and they know they can't fall to one and three. And they are playing the Saints, who aren't the best. They don't have the best secondary, so I I look to them to run the ball quite often. Saints have a horrible defense. You see what Jamal Charles did. I mean, yeah. Uh, well, and so and, many things wrong in New Orleans right now. Well, the, the Saints defense has allowed 215 yards per game over the first three weeks rushing. <laughs> and so. That's Jamal against Jamal Charles. I mean, well, yeah, but I mean no, that still, number is not just Jamal Charles. No, no, it's I mean not. Cedric Benson will it's have not. a good day. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Another uh, another player I like this week is uh, former uh, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Oh, uh, they're playing the Jaguars, Cincinnati, and they have one of the worst rushing defenses as well, allowing 154 yards per game on the ground. So. And Green Ellis is usually good for a touchdown a week, and I think he'll be good for at least one this week against Jacksonville. Okay. I like that. Any other uh, any other running backs, or you want to move on to the quarterbacks? I say we move on to quarterbacks. Go ahead. Well, this week, uh, another Bengal that I like a lot is Andy Dalton. Uh, he has, so far, no sophomore slump for him. He's thrown th- over 860 yards. He's six, done really, really well. Six touchdowns, and he's looking really sharp. Uh, this week, he faces, like I said, a poor Jacksonville defense. That's also in the bottom half of the league of passing yards allowed. Mm-hmm. So I expect Dole to continue uh, growing. And he's got the weapons on that team. Let's face it. I mean, you know, you do have Green Ellis out of the backfield. A.J. Green is just, he's just a monster. He's well, so good. they have a ton of, of receiving talent. I mean, they yeah. aren't necessarily big names, but really good talent. Yeah. In terms of Sidham, uh, one guy that sticks out to me is Michael Vick. Agree. Earlier in the week, head coach Andy Reid wouldn't even commit to Vick full, fully, so... There's obvious, obvious tension going on in Philadelphia. Despite the 2-1 and one record, they look pretty bad, and that starts with that quarterback. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's face it. If you have Michael Vick in a league, and I'm actually facing a guy who has him, I mean, he's obviously going to start him because, you know, who, who else? Who, you know, he is the guy to start if you have him on your team. But, yeah, there's a lot of criticism there. There's no doubt about it. it. Is there a guy maybe on the waiver wire? Who, yeah, who, who would you uh, pick maybe up? Maybe a common guy. Is there somebody who that that is big scouring name? the wire that maybe would be worth a start over Michael Vick and the defense that he's having to deal with this week? Well, the waiver wire for quarterback is pretty thin. Always, yeah, yeah. So there's not there's no like notable name, especially with the buys already starting and stuff. So right. Uh, I mean, I, I like Jake Lockler, but I mean they're playing the Texans, so I really Fitzpatrick's not in, right in now. my league. Uh, Matt Castle is not. You know, awful. Of course, that's a run-oriented offense. But, yeah, yeah. no. And, and, 
Of course, it I don't know thin. how many it teams is, are in your league, but for me, I'm in a 12-team league. Finding a, a quarterback on the waiver wire is just terrible. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in a 10-team league, and finding yeah. you really there's no the waiver wire for quarterbacks is really slim. So. Right. It is. But in, in go, uh, touching back on Vic, I mean, mm-hmm. he's already been sacked nine times, thrown six interceptions, and fumbled five times. Uh-huh. And they're playing this week the Giants, who have probably the best front seven in the game. So I'm sure he'll be getting pressured and uh, don't don't really see him putting up too many points this week. Yeah, the guy that I'm facing has Vic. His backup quarterback is Christian Ponder. I mean, Christian Ponder had a very good game last week. I don't think he's ever going to do that again. I mean, he ran for a, he had a 24-yard touchdown run last week. Well, they're playing the Lions at yeah. Detroit, so I mean, Lions defense was they were atrocious. Well, last that week. turf is quick. I mean, you yeah. can pile up a lot of yards. Rams did it in Week One. I mean, honestly, they they were just off. The Lions defense this year has just been just terrible, terrible last week, especially last week, giving up forty four to Tennessee. And not only that, but Stafford hasn't looked the same either. No, no, I don't know what it is. I have Calvin Johnson in in uh, a couple of leagues and two thousand yards, right, Mac? Well, no, the yards. He's getting the yards. He's just not getting the touchdowns, which is what you care about. At, you know, in the fantasy segment, Michael. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know what it is with that offense. It just seems like I, to me watching their games. I've watched actually, you know, I watched all the first game because they faced the Rams. It just looked like they were running the ball too much, like because they don't have that much of a threat in the backfield. Well, Kevin Smith is uh, useless. It seems like yeah. so far. So uh, they're, they're yeah. actually giving a lot of touches to Mike Lashore. Yeah, I mean, but who who is that? You know, like you know, I mean, I know who he is, but like. They, they need to be utilizing their weapons more. The, the receiving game is where they are stronger, I believe. Well, speaking of LaShore, he's, he's one guy that I would start at running back this week okay. against uh, Minnesota. I mean, he's going to get a lot of touches. Stafford doesn't – with the hip injury, we really don't know how healthy he really is. So I expect him to run the ball a lot, and majority of those touches probably will go to LaShore. Right. Anybody else uh, you like this week if you want to run down the rest of the positions for us? Well, sit him. I, I would. I would probably sit the struggling Chris Johnson. I mean, they're playing the Houston Texan defense, who's have, they have yet to allow a rushing touchdown yet. Running backs are only a rush, a, averaging sixty-eight yards per game against them. So, they they got a tough defense, and Chris Johnson, as we know, hasn't looked good at all this year. I traded him. I traded him last week. I, I traded Chris Johnson. What do you get for him? I traded Chris Johnson for Alfred Morris, who's doing really good on the Redskins. Hey, oh, sure. All right. All he's right. doing good. Uh, who would you, you, you have no You have no say. And um, uh, Owen Daniels, tight end on the, on the Texas. I had to dump him. It's just terrible. Horrible. Another running back that I'd probably sit is Ahmad Bradshaw. Uh, yeah. he, he, will, he looks like he will play this week yeah. against Philly, but Andre Brown had a breakout game. I mean, he looks like the real deal, Brown, and I'm sure he's going to get some touches. So, and we don't know, like I said, how healthy Bradshaw is. So, I, I would, I would sit him this week. All right. Anything else you got for us before we let you go, Steve? Well, wide receiver. Uh, there's one. Uh, in terms of stardom, I, I would start Brandon Lloyd for the Pats. Uh, him and Brady are developing a nice little rapport. Mm-hmm. And as we know, Brandon Lloyd played with Denver and offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels and. He had a big year with Denver just two years ago. So with Aaron Hernandez out, I expect him to get a lot, a lot of looks this week. And uh, in terms of sitting, I would probably sit Marcus Colston. The foot injury that he has is noticeably bothering him, and they're playing against a stingy Packers secondary. So I, I would, I would stay away from Marcus Colston. All right, Steve Seminary with a weekly fantasy report, one-on-one's NFL Friday Week Four edition. Steve, thanks a lot, and we will certainly check in with you next week. Now it's time to get to our weekly. NFL picks for week four. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. Here we go. Three games 
And of course, the toilet bowl every week. Toilet bowl is going to be a nice little surprise for everybody. And he's staying, by Steve, the way. Steve's Steve, going to we'll stick around. And for only the picks. because he's wearing an old school Devil Rays cap, and that is so swag. <laughs> that is so swag. Here we go. Oakland at Denver. The uh, the Broncos look have looked rough the last two weeks, but they were, you know they're home this week. This is a big game for Peyton Manning, if you ask me. I'm picking the Broncos. Yeah, I'm picking the Broncos, too, and, and only because it's up in the altitude in Peyton Manning. Steve? I'm going to have to go with Denver as well. Washington at Tampa. This is going to be – oh, I'm sorry. We have to get the picks, of course, of our producers. Because Julian, they're winning. Julian takes the Raiders, shockingly, over the Denver Broncos. That would be a huge shock. Nick takes – Nick also takes the Raiders. So the guys on the other side taking the Raiders. Next game, Washington at Tampa. Mike? Ah, it's at Tampa, which yeah. is the reason that I, my gut says Tampa. I'm going to go with with the Bucks. I'm going to go with RG three and the Redskins. I like oh. I like Tampa as well. Julian takes the Washington Redskins. Nick also takes the Redskins. So these guys are these guys are really similar behind the glass. Seahawks at my Rams, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I have the Seahawks down here, but. I mean, the Rams played pretty solid in their first home game of the year. Defense has got to play a lot better than they did against the, the Redskins in Week 2. But the Rams' offensive line is a huge key to this game. Whatever, I'll pick St. Louis. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I'm, the only re- I'm picking St. Louis there at home, and I think the Seahawks might have a, a little bit of a hangover after getting maybe getting away with one last week. It's possible. I feel the same way about the hangover part, but I'm going to have to say they're going to lose. They're, okay. Nick Fair goes enough. with the Seahawks. Julian goes with the Seahawks. And the toilet bowl, one team's got to win, one team's got to lose. But it's amazing that the New Orleans Saints and the Green Bay Packers are our toilet bowl for week four. That is just that, that's just unbelievable. Uh, and I'm going to have to go with Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay comes off one of the worst. It could be the one of the worst losses ever in the history of the NFL for any team. Probably is. I got to go with the Packers. They're home. Lambeau Field is the toughest place to play in the NFL besides maybe Seattle, where they were last week. I'm going with the Packers. The Saints' defense isn't going to magically get better against no. Aaron Rodgers. That's not going to happen. And because of that, they're going to get blown out at Lambeau Field. I like the Bears against the Cowboys. I think Jay Carl is going to have a good game, and, and Dallas isn't going to pull through. Jumping ahead on the uh, on the upset pick, we're in the toilet bowl. Packers or uh, Packers or Saints? Packers. Packers. Yeah, I think that's an obvious one. Julian takes uh, Julian takes Green Bay. Uh, Nick takes uh, Green Bay as well. And here we go with the upsets. Mike can go first on this one. I'm going with the exact same upset <laughs> as I'm going with the Bears for the exact same reason Steve said he just beat it, beat me to it. Yeah. All right. So Mike takes the Bears. Steve takes the Bears. I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs at home. They have Jamal Charles against the San Diego Chargers. I think that they will win that game. Julian's upset also. Chicago uh, over Dallas, which is a popular pick right now. How about Nick's upset? The Tennessee Titans. Are they even home against the Houston Texans? Nope. Are you ready? What? What? Uh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let's play the game. We both think the Rams are going to win. How much do you think they're going to win by? Uh, and fair enough, we need to at least shortly explain the game that it is. How many oh, yeah. points will the course. Browns and Rams lose by this week? And the of Browns course, the, the Browns have already played. I think the Rams win, so I'm going to say negative four. They lose by negative four. I'll actually agree with you. I'll say 21-17 St. Louis wins. So The game isn't fun when the we game, pick the same. No, it's not. But the Browns played last week, so it kind of takes away from it. And that, uh, well, that was that was nice. That's our uh, week four edition 
of the one-on-ones NFL Friday. For Julian Atienza, Nick Legerfo behind the glass, Steve Seminary with our fantasy report. That's Mike Watts. I'm Mac Rosenberg. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your football. This has been one-on-ones NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.